edition of With All Due Respect. Strong opinions on politics, life, and entertainment. Welcome to another episode with all due respect. I am your host, Andrew Halcrow, and we welcome you. On this episode, we're going to talk about the golden era of conservative governance, both in Anchorage and Alaska. And in a hybrid life entertainment segment, I'm going to give you five suggestions for books that you ought to think about buying for yourselves or giving gifts this holiday season. But first, let's get to what we do best. Let's talk some politics. Politics. And now, for some politics. Recently, the Anchorage Daily News published a political opinion piece from Paul Jenkins, a longtime local conservative columnist. In his column, Jenkins trots out a popular conservative myth that a mysterious boogeyman called the left wants to turn Anchorage into San Francisco North. Well, for the record, I was in San Francisco last summer, and there's a hell of a lot to do in San Francisco, including some great restaurants. But this has been the modus operandi the last few years of conservative politicians and commentators. Attempt to frighten voters into believing that anyone other than a conservative is not going to save them from a tenderloin district future. Let's remember that current Mayor Dave Bronson got elected three years ago after sending out mailers claiming that his opponent was going to turn Anchorage into San Francisco North. The postcards had pictures of homeless camps that were taken from major urban centers with the warning that this would soon be Anchorage if Bronson's opponent were to get elected. So just where are we after two and a half years of Mayor Dave Bronson? Well, let's see. Illegal use of taxpayer money for an ill-fated homeless shelter. There's more homelessness in Anchorage, more deaths on the street than ever before, more illegal campgrounds than ever before, and more violent campgrounds than ever before. You get the picture. He's failed. I mean, does anybody even remember Dr. John Morris, who is going to be Bronson's homeless savior? Meanwhile, Paul Jenkins blows it off by saying, yeah, Bronson is a daft bugger, but The left is the real problem because they just want him out of office. First off, who the actual hell is the left in Jenkins' opinion? Jenkins' use of the term the left is so intellectually shallow, so devoid of meaning. It's almost as if he's created a boogeyman out of thin air for the benefit of his narrative. But more importantly, ladies and gentlemen, why is this Paul Jenkins' narrative at all? Why is this his storyline two plus years into the administration of Mayor Dave Bronson? Why isn't Paul Jenkins writing about how wonderful this city has become and how great this state is doing under conservative leadership? Where's his cheerleading pep? Where's his victory lap with arms raised? Where's his scoreboard pointing? Because conservative leadership has fielded a winning team. In other words, In a time of unlimited conservative political power, why are you making excuses, brah? Because the fact is there isn't any progress to cheer. There is no reason to raise your arms or victories to celebrate because there aren't any gains to note from this golden era of right-wing conservative leadership. Mayor Dave Bronson 
currently has a 29% approval rating. I mean, that means people on the right, people on the left, people in the center, everybody wants this dude out of office. There is no shadow effort from Jenkins' created liberal boogeyman to remove Bronson from office. No, no, no. It's not that easy. This is the current will of a majority of voters who want Bronson gone like last week's trash. Bronson was a candidate who won the mayor's office by less than 1,500 votes out of 100,000 votes cast. And this is a guy who showed up his first day on the job with a flamethrower. He started losing votes his first day in office. Three months into his term, Bronson was already polling at 35% approval rate. Look, the bottom line is there was no honeymoon with this mayor. Residents realized the next morning he was a tragic mess, incapable of governing Alaska's largest city and the state's economic hub. Since his election, even the candidates who aligned with Bronson while running for the school board or the assembly lost crazy. I mean, lost crazy by wide margins. They were literally crushed at the polls by voters who believed there shouldn't be any more Mayor Bronson mini-me's running their city. So any defense of this mayor's stunning incompetence or to blame partisan politics is to ignore the reality of where this city finds itself after two plus years of Mayor Dave Bronson. But then Jenkins, as the loyal soldier, going to double down on his bad bet, and he then comes to the defense of Governor Mike Dunleavy, whose approval rating currently sits at 42 percent. Again, Jenkins claiming it was the left and their boogeyman trying to run Dunleavy out of office with the recall petition that was gaining steam before COVID changed everything. But Jenkins, in his blind pursuit of those liberal boogeymen, seems to ignore the fact that the two co-chairs of the recall effort for Governor Dunleavy were Republican captains of industry. I mean, these gentlemen were literal titans of the Alaska business community who had previously supported Dunleavy. Listen, When you're a Republican governor in the state of Alaska and you've successfully pissed off people with the last names Rasmussen and Yusebeli, my friends, that's not the left you're pissing off. And Paul Jenkins knows that. But again, why does this column even need to be written by Jenkins in this golden age of conservatives in power? Why is he writing defensive columns about mysterious boogeyman on the left that are being mean to our mayor and governor? Why isn't he writing about how wonderful this city and state are doing under conservative leadership? Why isn't Jenkins writing about how cleaner the city is, how safer the city is, how much better educated children are in Alaska under conservative leadership? Where's his writing about how Alaska's economy is vibrant and growing, attracting a new generation to Alaska under conservative leadership? Why? Why isn't that his spiel? Because he can't. Because the politicians he's backstopping with this liberal boogeyman crap have failed and fail on a daily basis. Listen, there are no victory laps to take. There are no policy wins to cheer. There are no gains to note from Alaska's conservative leadership over the last five years. There is nothing for him to write about but mysterious boogeyman on the left. Because... Under the conservative leadership of Mayor Dave Bronson and Governor Mike Dunleavy, this city and state have gone backwards. Look, I am a lifelong registered Republican, and I have no idea what the hell a conservative Republican is anymore. When I first got into politics 30 years ago, conservatives had some semblance of principles, 
Today, it appears a lot of them who call themselves conservatives, including the mayor and the governor, have no principles or morals or ethics or competence. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to take eight recent headlines to make my point. All of these headlines have been printed in the last month, all within the last 30 days. And these are the best commentary on the golden age of conservative rule I can offer you. Item number one, funding gap looms for Alaska's domestic violence programs. Alaska is struggling to fund domestic violence programs in a state that leads the nation in domestic violence. Item two, Alaska Police Standard Councils turns down plan to lower hiring age of officers. The Department of Corrections actually wanted to hire 18-year-old prison guards instead of paying a decent wage. Item three, Alaska's top court says public agency can't decline guardianship appointments. The Office of Public Advocacy, which is responsible for protecting vulnerable seniors, is failing at a time when seniors are Alaska's fastest growing demographic. Item four, Alaska schools have the highest rate of chronic absenteeism in the nation. Meanwhile, the governor and Alaska State Board of Education are more concerned with stoking the culture wars than addressing the many crises that plague Alaska schools. Item five, Anchorage Resolution on School Funding warns of painful cuts to school district. This comes just months after Governor Dunleavy vetoed half of the first real education funding increase in almost a decade without explanation. Governor Dunleavy's primary education policy focus has been to stoke the culture wars among parents and students. Item six, Alaska's governor's staff blocked publication of state agencies' analysis of teacher pay. Governor Dunleavy did not want the public to read a public report that shows Alaska's teachers have been underpaid for decades, and there is no mystery why we can't hire school, er, school teachers. Item seven, schools, libraries get warning letters from state attorney general about youth content. All right, instead of focusing on the rising cases of domestic violence against women, especially indigenous women throughout Alaska, he's harassing librarians. Well, at least Attorney General Taylor is harassing people his own age rather than younger women like his two predecessors. Meanwhile, the Attorney General's office over the last five years has been the epicenter of lawbreakers, Clarkson, Snedden, and now Taylor. They've been found guilty of wrongful terminations, violating employees' constitutional rights, misappropriating government funds, violating campaign finance rules, sexual misconduct, and sexual harassment. There hasn't been a bigger lawbreaker in state government than the department that is supposed to uphold the law. The Alaska Department of Law has unequivocally been the most lawless department during the entire Dunleavy administration. And finally, we just personally experienced a major snowstorm where we saw firsthand how the Department of Transportation is brutally unprepared for winter in a state that's known for its winters. Ladies and gentlemen, these are all real. These have all occurred just within the last 30 days. The last 30 days alone, mind you. Now, this is supposed to be the golden age of conservatism. 
a growing economy, more efficient government with morally upright politicians providing better results for the public. But actually, it's one big failing cluster, one big clown show. Think about this. Even the recent resource development announcements show we are losing money on every single business transaction. The recent announcement made me remember a great saying by my dear old friend and personal travel guru, Scott McMurrin, who used to say this about the travel agency industry in the 1980s. Yeah, we'll lose money every transaction, but we'll make it up with volume. First, this state is going to spend millions subsidizing a road to a speculative mining development for an industry that has paid the same tax rate since 1955. They paid the same tax rate than before Alaska became a state. According to Dermot Cole, writing at DermotCole.com, quote, the Fraser Institute annual survey shows Alaska is the fifth most attractive place for mining to invest in the world. So if you haven't had a tax increase, if your industry has enjoyed tax stability for 70 years and you are currently fifth in the entire world as far as an attractive mining destination, why the hell are we subsidizing infrastructure without guaranteed repayment? Because then what you're telling me is that after 70 years with the same tax rate and Alaska recognized as the fifth best place in the world to do business, that's still enough for you. You need more. Then we move to Cook Inlet Natural Gas. In a recent press conference, uh, Governor Dunleavy announced he is going to propose cutting royalty taxes to boost natural gas development of Cook Inlet gas because the supply of natural gas in Cook Inlet is running low. We are going to take a haircut in gas royalties to provide gas to ourselves because Outside investors who would normally lend the hundreds of millions needed for the capital cost to drill new gas wells in Cook Inlet have absolutely no confidence in Alaska's fiscal stability to take the risk. And the harsh reality is at the end of the day, it's doubtful that these tax cuts that are proposed will even stop the need for importing natural gas from outside Alaska because the tax breaks proposed don't cover the expenses that create the major barrier to new exploration in Cook Inlet. So if you're an oil and gas company, you can't get financing for a drilling rig because lenders have no confidence in your state's fiscal situation. Then you can't produce gas. And if you can't produce gas, then you don't pay royalty taxes. And if you don't pay royalty taxes, then you don't get the royalty tax breaks. Everywhere you look, both Bronson and Dunleavy are glossing over the reality that Anchorage and Alaska are slipping further behind. But yes, by all means, let's all listen to Paul Jenkins because it's the boogeyman on the left. Look, there's a reason why Mayor Dave Bronson has a 29% approval rating and Governor Mike Dunleavy is ranked as the worst performing Republican governor by the Republican Governors Association. There is a reason these two gentlemen are failing miserably and it's not due to some mysterious boogeyman on the left. It's due to the brutal incompetence on the far right of those who are supposed to be leading Anchorage and Alaska forward. My last podcast of the year in 2022 
was entitled Alaska Needs a Howard Beale Moment. I discussed the need for Alaskans to, to really get angry, to get serious about the clear political failures and demand a better social and economic future. A year later, and one more year into the golden era of conservative leadership, and ladies and gentlemen, we are even further behind than we were a year ago. Meanwhile, Howard Beale waits impatiently amidst the growing list of avoidable political and economic failures that will take Alaska a decade or more to recover from. And now, entertainment. Entertainment. In a life entertainment hybrid segment, I'd like to offer you five book suggestions that represent the five most interesting books that I read in 2023. Number five, Standing Heavy. This book was originally written in French and was translated a few years ago into English. This is a witty, satirical, humorous, and eye-opening view of the world through the eyes of the security guards that stand watch at some of the most posh retail stores and museums in Paris. Number four, The Heat Will Kill You First. This is one of the best climate change-related books I've read. The author, based on factual science and actual recent history, walks you through how exactly how the, the warming of the planet has already started and the effects, how it's going to change the way we live, our kids live, and our grandkids live. Number three, The Hank Show, how a house-painting, drug-running DEA informant built the machine that rules our lives. This is the story about how 40 years ago, one man took basic public information and built a data mining empire that rules your life today. Number two, The Mysterious Case of Rudolf Diesel. This book was a big wow. Rudolf Diesel was the inventor of the diesel engine who mysteriously disappeared on the eve of World War I at a time when both the Germans and the British were vying for his diesel engines to power their naval fleets. At the end of this book, I was still not sure whether Diesel had actually died or if he had lived out the rest of his life in secrecy. If you read this book, I guarantee you will never look at the word Diesel the same again. And my number one suggested book for 2023, a sentimental one, but boy, what a great read. Being Henry, The Fawns and Beyond. This is Henry Winkler's much-anticipated autobiography that was so worth the wait. This is one of the few autobiographies that I've read over the years that when you finish the book, you feel like you've just spent time with an old friend. In his story, Winkler talks about his struggles and successes in acting and during his lifetime in show business and how ABC executives wanted to rename Happy Days. After the first successful season of Happy Days, network executives realized that Winkler was the main draw for the show, and they went to him and proposed giving him a huge raise and renaming the show to Fonzie's Happy Days. In response, Winkler told them absolutely no way, and he'd quit the show if they messed with the original format. This is a great book about a talented actor who stayed humble throughout his entire career. So there you go. Five great books you should check out this holiday season. And there is the music, ladies and gentlemen, and you know what that means. Our time is up. We'd like to thank the Anchorage Daily News for hosting this podcast on their website and remind listeners that the very strong opinions you've just heard on this podcast are mine and mine alone and in no way represent the opinions of the Anchorage Daily News or their employees. 
please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And as always, thank you.